With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. Today on the show, we have got good friend of the program, Matt Penny here. We're going to talk about... One and done's in the 2021 draft it is already that time we just finished the 2020 NBA draft and already the college basketball season starts this week. I know that free agency just happened in the NBA. I have a lot of free agency thoughts, but my theory on this was that college basketball starts this week. The NBA training camp does not start until December 2nd, and even then, people are only going to be half paying attention to training camp, and the season doesn't really start until around Christmas. So that's going to give me plenty of time to talk about free agency, whereas right now, I wanted to talk about uh, some of these one-and-done guys before the season starts so that you guys will know who to look for and who to watch for. So before we get into that, let's talk to the co-host of this show here. It is... The all-time leader in UMass basketball history, in towel waves, in hand claps, in leadership, it's Matthew Penny. Folks, how's it going, Matt Penny? Based on that intro, I feel like I should be getting a three-year, $20 million free agent contract like everyone else is. I, I unfortunately wasn't. My, in the towel wave thing, it, it's probably true. I was more of like a flexor. My first... I think I was I was like one for one. I hit my first three pointer, and then I screwed up my average by like missing two or three more the next two years. I should have just like walked off after I hit one and and left UMass as the the best three point shooter in college basketball history. Would have been good to the, for the resume. Yeah, what were you? This this was a distinct error on your part. It like twenty one yeah, year old. No, Matt I mean Penny. I was ironically other friend of the program, Mark Titus, ended my career at Ohio State, which we talked about before, and he I think he figured it out a little bit better than I did. <laughs> how many have you ever gone through and calculated how many trillions you had? Oh, I haven't. No, I'd always find a way to like sneak a rebound or something. My first, my like per forty numbers for one year were like outrageous, and some people were like, oh, I should play more. No, I should not. We're good right here. What the hell? I tried to go to UMass's page on SportsRef and I couldn't find your uh, couldn't find your player page. Do you not even have yeah. a player page here? Yeah, I'm not even a real person. I'm a creative player. You are. You really might be a creative player. What the fuck is going on here, Penny? I don't know. Uh, m- more importantly to me was I, I'm just curious what you did on your two hour summer vacation between <laughs> the end of the 2020 draft and, and now the 2021 draft. Uh, I took two days off. It was great. Uh, I watched three, I've seen three movies. I watched Possessor, which is all sorts of fucked up and really good. Uh, it's this movie where this company, uh, employs a woman who can and has developed this technology where she can go into other people's consciousnesses and commit murders. Uh, seems, seems pretty heavy for, it's, <laughs> for a heavy time in the world. It rules. <laughs> like it's just fucking wild. Uh, I watched run, 
which is with Sarah Paulson and Kira Allen, which is on Hulu right now, which is really good. Uh, it's by the guy. Did you ever see the movie Searching with John Cho? I mm, don't think so. So it's this um, it's this movie where there's a mom and a daughter. The daughter is in a wheelchair and it's like a thriller. And I'll just leave it at that. And then I watched New Mutants last night, which is like the X-Men movie that they shelved for three years before releasing this year, because you can just like tell immediately that they shelved it for three years because Maisie Williams, did you ever watch Game of Thrones, Matt Penny? My wife's a huge Game of Thrones fan, so it was always on in the background. I didn't, I'm not a really time PC guy, so I don't want to like start a Game of Thrones war here, but in short, no, not really. Did you, Enough, though. did you, uh, do you know who Arya Stark is? Sure. Yes. So the girl who plays Arya Stark, they very clearly filmed this movie in like 2017 or 2018 because she looks very young still in the, this, this movie that just got released this year. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of a mess, but. A somewhat entertaining mess. I, I would recommend Possessor, though, if you're looking for so, super yeah, fucked so up a good movies. few days for you. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. All right, I've pulled up your uh, basketball reference page. Let's see here. Okay. All game logs. You played 12 games at UMass. Yeah, I think... Oh, this is a guess, but I think it was like 10.7 rebounds among along 12 games, if I'm not mistaken. You had... One... Two, three. You had three trillions in those twelve games. All right, games. that's pretty good. I got to add that to my LinkedIn. You were you were really uh, you were uh, getting some shots up in those games when you hard. played. I love it. Well, I mean, I'm like respectfully, we when I was playing, it was Savannah State, Jacksonville State. Like there were shots to be had with a few minutes to go. You can't just let the shot clock run out all the time. Uh. In 2006, you averaged 30 points per 40 minutes. So there you go. That, there's my contract. I need a better agent. 30 points, 20 rebounds per 40 yeah, minutes. They're handing out. They're handing out 20 million dollar deals. I can take half. And then as a senior, you averaged 13.3 fouls per 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I played three games. I had two fouls, so it like works out. I love that so much. This is fantastic. Uh, all right. So I released my 2021 NBA mock draft today at The Athletic. I said it from the jump within that thing that you should be reading that more as a watch list than like a, this is a ironclad ranking of players. You know what I mean? Like there's just no... We're so early in the process. There were fewer events in the spring and fewer events in the summer and fewer practices in the fall for us to get an understanding of how guys have improved, where guys stand with their games in the last eight months. There is also the factor that there was no... McDonald's All-American, Nike Hoop Summit, Jordan Brand Classic. I've seen all of these guys play live for the most part. Uh, there are probably one or two guys here uh, among the one-and-done class that I have not seen live. I'm trying to run through the list right now. Um, let me see here. Let me see here. I actually have not seen Musa Cisse play live yet. Okay. So that that would be one... Uh, let's see. I've not seen Isaiah Jackson play live yet either. And then 
On top of that, there are a couple guys like Josh Primo at Alabama that I just haven't seen enough of yet because this 2020 draft cycle was interminable. So I just didn't rank. Like, if I have not seen you enough, I'm just not going to rank you at the end of the day. Earl Timberlake is another guy there where I know that there are people that are huge fans of Timberlake and think he has a real shot to be a one and done. I just haven't seen enough of them yet to rank them. So I, I would caution everyone to look at this as a watch list and not an ironclad ranking of players. Do we think that that is a fair way to go about this? Very fair way to go about it. And unfortunately, as you said, the last draft was very long, very arduous. And now that it's over, I don't know how much it kind of changes with NBA teams able to go out and see these games, get live eyes on these guys in person. I, I don't know what scouting staffs will be able to do and go on the road. And for, college guys going back to to high school and prep school rules right now there's a dead period for college coaches through april 15th which means college coaches cannot go on the road and scout high school kids until at least april 15th so even back it up more there's a whole class that hasn't been seen i don't know how that's gonna be reflected upon the nba stuff but it's gonna be a lot of kind of what we've done this draft go back and watching film watching stuff live and i just was drawn to the G League Ignite team, which has a handful of guys that could have went to college and been one and done, so have decided to go there instead, which includes Jalen Green, Deja Nix, Jonathan Kaminga. Like, I'm trying to get my hands on that stuff because they've played two scrimmages. If you go online, you can find, like, clips of, like, a minute long. They have a, a guy, Kai Soto, who played for the Skill Factory, who's from the Philippines and has a huge following. So I'm watching like Philippine news video, like one and a half minute <laughs> clips trying to be like, Oh, Jalen Green looks a little better. Oh, Kamingo. Okay. He's back from, he's back from injury. His body looks good, but I just don't know the real eyes on looks information we're going to have. So as a watch guide, that's a very good hedge early because we don't know how this is going to kind of shake out in the next few months. Oh, and just like straight up with that G League Ignite team. Like you talk to NBA teams, like they still don't really have like a full gauge on how that's going to work from an evaluation process yet. Like they're unsure how much real competitive basketball they're going to get to see those guys play before the 2021 draft, which like is concerning with someone like Jonathan Kaminga, who he's like interesting he's always been very productive but there are some real flaws there like he's pretty stiff for a guy that's going to be you know a kind of i guess i would call him a straight four right now to be honest but i think he fashions himself more as like a three four hybrid right yeah three four four three i mean really big strong kid but he battled injuries last year so even like the espn game he didn't really play a lot and i'm kind of watching to see how he bounces back because he has potential not to be as strong, but kind of that like bigger Okoro type frame. But you want to see, okay, these guys are now playing at Walnut Creek. They're having NBA training. They're being coached by Brian Shaw. What does it look like now when they kind of have like a little bit of a taste of the action, but not necessarily at the big show? They're not necessarily in college. They're in no man's land a little bit. So I'm hoping that some of those games find their way to the internet or, or NBA personnel hands too. Yeah. Like I, I just want them to end up on Synergy. Like, as, yeah, I looked today and it wasn't on there. Yeah, as soon as uh, we get those games on Synergy, I will be ecstatic. Like, 
absolutely ecstatic. So let's um, let's start at the top here because I think Cade Cunningham. I don't know that he's the best high school prospect that I've evaluated in the seven years that I've been doing this. He'd be near the top, probably not the top, but certainly near the top. I think he's my favorite though. Everything I love everything about Cade Cunningham. Can you kind of give me a rundown on what your, maybe I'll say this first. So the first time I saw Cade Cunningham was two and a half years ago at Pangos All-American camp. He was still like a top 20 recruit in the country. And I even wrote then, I was like, I don't get how this guy's not like a consensus top five kid in this class. Like he is a monster two-way wing, plays super hard, uh, passes the ball well, defends, still developing as a shooter, but he just knows how to play basketball at such an exceedingly high level. What is- no, I mean, very very accurate because, and I went and reread your mock today and reread your article. You're right. I mean, he was kind of this combo forward for a long time. Yeah. He didn't really transition to point guard until the summer before he went to Mount Verde Academy. And I, I always liked him. I hadn't seen a ton of them. And not that I stumbled onto him because it's Mount Verde Academy, but I remember watching a game and they're playing in Hawaii. And they're playing La Lumiere. And I was really watching for Precious Achua and Isaiah Stewart. Yep. And he's playing point guard. And I'm like, uh, uh-oh. Like, this is this is something special. Because he's, he's going off the pick and roll. He's creative live dribble passer. He's hitting threes when, guy goes, when guys go under. He's going to the rim and sneaky kind of dunking on guys here and there. He's playing with a pace and tempo. He just really knew who he was. Yep. He had a small guy on him. He'd slowly bring him to the post, kind of like an NBA feel, and, and hit a small fadeaway. And then you talk about the defense. It's like he takes pride in his defense. He wants to shut down opposing guards. He's very vocal. He'll call out sets. He makes contact on switches. Just like a, an advanced game, he's only been playing point guard for three years. And I know it's corny, but he grew up playing quarterback, and he kind of does that on the court. Yeah, He's selfless. I mean, he was on. And you also listed it in your mock draft. I mean, you have three guys from that Montford team in your top 16. And, and by the way, they had another top 16 recruit in Dayron Sharp, who to me is just like kind of the, the typical like guy that I don't really love as an NBA big, but is certainly going to be incredibly productive as a college big. Yes, we'll be very good at North Carolina. But they have Scotty Barnes. They have even Moses Moody, who's at Arkansas. Have Caleb Houston, who just committed to Michigan. I mean, just a team that was loaded, and he didn't care. Like, he just wanted to stir the drink and get guys involved and get guys shots. Anytime they asked about rankings, he said he didn't care. Uh, so I, I just really like his, his demeanor, his composure. To me, he's definitely the crown jewel of the class. Yeah. There's already like starting to be a like thing where people are trying to drum up interest in like the race for number one. I'm not saying that it's not going to be a race at some point, but right now it's like very clearly Cade Cunningham to me. Like I, I don't even think it's really all that close to be honest. Uh, oh, I, I agree. It's just jumbo, big creative guards who are six seven, and I think the since he's been on campus he's grown an inch with the plus wingspan they just don't come along that often so that's why we we've joked before like all right how many nba gms are looking at this next class and being like great we got a top three pick in the previous draft like this one we're going to talk about whatever six eight ten guys and there could be a few others in the mix too i mean the funny thing is that Cade cunningham could have been eligible for the 2020 draft 
Like, if he wanted to reclassify and get to Oklahoma State a year early, could have done that and could have been eligible for 2020. And he decided right. not to, uh, which was a choice on his part. He was... It's worth, like, putting this into context as well. So he played at the U19 World Cup in Greece last year as an underage player. He was very clearly the best player at that event. I know that Reggie Perry won the MVP. Like, I know that I think he finished third in scoring uh, for Team USA in that event. Every single thing that they did ran through him. They had Kyra Lewis and Tyrese Halliburton, both of whom went in the lottery in last year's draft on that team. And neither of them played point guard because Cade Cunningham was around. Uh, if you go and watch the gold medal game against Mali or Molly, I'm sorry. Every single thing that he did on the court was ridiculous. Like he didn't even play that well in the first half of that game. And then once the third quarter rolled around and it was like still tight at halftime, in part because he wasn't really making shots and he didn't make a ton of shots throughout the tournament, to be frank. He just completely took over the third, the third quarter of that game against Molly was one of the most impressive things I think I've ever seen from a youth prospect at the FIBA level. He just completely orchestrated every single action, every single time down the court. And it led to what was essentially becoming a, what essentially became a blowout against Molly in that tournament. He averaged uh, in the gold medal game. He scored 21 points, had seven rebounds, had seven assists. He played 35 or 33 or 34 minutes or something like that in that game. It was unbelievable. And for him to have not even made the all-tournament team was one of the craziest, like, most egregious things I think I've ever seen in my life from, like, awards being handed out at the end of any tournament season, etc. He he is unbelievable. His, I, I truthfully doubt he cared, too. No, like, yeah. I, I, don't, I think he just values winning so much that it's not even, like, no skin off his back that he's like, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't win MVP. That's fine. We won the gold medal. Like, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's quite as good as what Luka Doncic was coming in. But it's, he's the closest that I've seen. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I hate, I hate dubbing guys like that, that early, but I, he's a favorite's a good word. You call them the, yeah, the orchestrator, the conductor, if you will. But the way he, sees the game a few plays ahead the way that he could get a steal in the backcourt and know that the guy is breaking down the other way and drops a no-look pass or he'll know the way the guy read the pick and roll last time to give him a different one and pull back and shoot a three he just he's really smart on the court and you give him the ball and you don't worry about things going haywire you know he's going to make the right decision yep do we have any other uh anything else we want to talk about with kid no, we could do a whole podcast on Cade. We're good. It'll probably happen. At some he's good. We're too. fans. Yeah. He's a stud. We're fans. Excited. I'm glad he went to Oklahoma State. His brother's an assistant coach. Won't be in the tournament, but it'll be a lot of must-see TV for sure. Yeah. NCAA, let, let Cade Cunningham play in the NCAA tournament. Like, you're worried about ratings. You're worried about college basketball in general. Like, and you're worried about making sure that there's an NCAA tournament. Your ratings will go up if you let Cade Cunningham play in the NCAA tournament. 
We'll do that or we'll do like a renegade bubble in a rival city to Indianapolis and just pull out everybody else. I love it. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's you're an event planner. I'll I'll help yeah, you from money, Australia. Money to be made. There we go. We Perfect. can do this. We're in. Okay. We'll be back uh with a quick uh advertisement here and then we'll be back in a second. Who do you want to go to next? I'll just open the floor to you. Uh, I don't know who you have to, but do you want to go Jalen Green? Sure. Let's talk about Jalen Green. So I'll be honest. Like when I've seen Jalen Green in the AAU like world, I have not been an enormous fan because he just gets super shot happy and gets very inefficient. And he's not quite a good enough shooter yet to do that. But like you can very clearly see the talent. And his ability to create separation and to get his own shot is unbelievable. Uh, and then you see him in like Team USA settings and he's a lot less selfish, like a lot more team oriented and uh, more willing to play within the construct of the offense. So uh, I, I really do quite like Jalen Green as well. I think that he's another guy that very clearly would have gone number one in this 2020 NBA class, don't you think? Totally. I mean, six foot five, live wire athlete, shooting guard, really explosive first step and burst. High level body control when he's driving to lane two. He knows how to adjust. Yep. He can get going, scoring in a hurry. And with that explosiveness, he knows how to get to his spots off the dribble, elevates at the rim. <clears throat> when he does create space with a step back, it's hard to stop. He really leans in and steps all the way back. It's a hard shot to block. The jumper is better i'd say it it looks more consistent the knock has always been his elbow kind of gets a little wild and out of whack yeah he twists his feet his body a little bit when shooting on the move but it has gotten better throughout the high school year and through the zabruder film uh g league ignite highlights that i tried to watch a few hours ago not the best defender right now all the time but with those quick feet with the burst i do believe that he could be a lockdown defender in time and plays with the confidence to his game much better in, in team USA settings. Also important to note, I, I believe he's only 18 years old and won't turn 19 until February. So yeah, he's young. to be able to do this now and, and be young and be true age for his grade, which is increasingly rare. It's, it's noteworthy for analytics guys for the draft. So do you think of him more as a lead or as a two? Because oh, I see a two. You think he's a pure two? I don't want to say pure two. I mean, I could go combo. I don't see him as a, a full time point guard, though. Yeah, and I, I don't. And I don't think with with playing on the the G League team with Dejan Nix, I don't. I mean, he could play a little bit there, but I'm guessing Nix will have the ball a lot more often. Yeah, I think I agree with you that he's a two. Uh, anytime you saw him at the AAU level, just because obviously he was so physically gifted, he was essentially playing more of like a lead role, even though you could say that lead role was, you know, him still playing the two guard, right? Like he has the prototypical two guard measurements, the prototypical scoring guard game, but just increasingly with the way the NBA is going, like those guys do handle the ball a ton. Like even Zach Levine has like moved into like pseudo lead guard like responsibilities. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, he kind of has that similar kind of equity, you know, you know what I'm talking about? 
Sure. I mean, he'll be able to bring the ball up, <clears throat> hit away, and, and, and be a, a secondary complimentary guy. I don't think he's necessarily going to be coming up setting the offense and, and running plays yeah. initially or, or right away. But as, as a complimentary second piece, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's just go to, let's go to Kaminga next. We yeah, kinda, stay with the G League. Let's ignite. Yeah, let's, let's ignite this, uh, process here with all of these three guys that I really care about. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not a big Kai Sato guy. Maybe we can talk about him briefly at the end, but, um, Kaminga, you have probably seen Kaminga more than I have. I really had to deep dive on him before writing this 2021 mock draft. Uh, I came away thinking very real potential as a shot creator, uh, more of a four than a three because of his physical stiffness, but does have that like quick second jump, uh, you know, quickness off of the first step, uh, and the ability to play hard and rotate from the weak side defensively and be very switchable defensively to where I do buy him like as a high level, like small ball NBA four. I also think he's going to shoot it at some point. Like I'm not particularly worried about the shot. Uh, it's kind of more of a set shot and he probably brings it a little bit too far back toward his head, but there's nothing like so broken there that a year in the G League's developmental program probably won't be able to fix it. Right. And important to note that he was a late reclassification slash graduation, which put him in the G League system. Like, I don't think he graduated till really late in the year. So he was thought of for a while as being in this current class now. So it's a little bit different lens that you're looking through. But I agree. Big time athlete. He can play multiple positions on the floor. He's a terror on the fast break. Really tough to stop yep. when he gets going. Has a well-rounded offensive skill set for his age. Has a nice touch around the basket. Uses the size for the mid-range. Can hit short little fadeaways. I really like his first step. And, and kind of what you're saying about playing a, a, the four role. He can be either a ball handler or set like the screen setter in pick and rolls and pick yep. and pops, which, it, which will be really valuable if he's guarding fours in the NBA down the other end. Uh, we talked about it just a little bit earlier there. He battled some injuries in, in last high school season, so he wasn't really 100%. I'm hoping that we can watch him play like-minded competition and, and see how he's able to bounce back. But I've always been a fan. His last summer, when he was healthy in the EYBL, all the stuff I watched, didn't see that in person. He was as good as anybody. And I, I had multiple college coaches say that he was the best player in the country for their money. Yeah, and... That's not like a pay. That's not a for their money like payment thing. Just like you know, for for the money. Just <laughs> be very clear here. Will Wade's about to uh, put down a strong ass offer on Jonathan Kuminga. <laughs> Will's my boy. I'm not, not throwing any shade. <laughs> uh, how tall do we think Kuminga is? Because I've gotten oh. anywhere from like six seven to six nine. I think six eight. I'd have to see measurements, but I think his last measurement was, was six foot eight. Okay. Uh, very interesting player. Uh, very productive, plays very hard all the time, too. Uh, again, like a lot of the guys in this class, especially once you get into like the middle part of the first round, and maybe this is just like my biases showing in terms of how I rank players. A lot of these guys do actually want to defend. Like Cade wants to defend. Kaminga wants to defend. Keon Johnson, who we'll talk about momentarily, pretty good defensively. Zaire Williams didn't always defend like crazy, but 
when he showed it and flashed it, like it was awesome. Uh, Evan Mobley wants to defend. Scotty Barnes is probably the best defender in this class. Like there, there are a lot of guys that really, really, really care about that end of the court. And I'm excited about that aspect of this class as much as anything, the defensive versatility that this class is going to bring to the NBA. I'd say offensive versatility too. All yeah. the guys we're kind of talking about is he a one, two, three, can play some four or some five. There isn't just these like hard line. It's a five. It's a point guard like some drafts may have. So Dave- but if we say everyone's a five, maybe 12 guys get picked in the top 35 again. <laughs> I don't know. And, and then maybe sign a free agency. I don't know what's going on. Oh my God. Oh, shout out, uh, Mason Plumley getting 325. Good for him. Good for Mason Plumley. Like, yeah. Good. Love it. Mark Bartlestein getting Mason Plumley 325 and Gordon Hayward 4-120. I mean, just ridiculous. Like, that guy is, that guy is a wizard. Mark Bartlestein. Yeah, this league. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, Daisha Nix is the other guy that my top 13 that is in the G League Ignite program. I've only seen Nix live once. I've obviously watched a lot of tape on him. Not super explosive, super high level passer, playmaker with real size at six foot five, uh, loves as much as anyone. Like he, he goes Euro step to finish almost as much as any prospect that I think I've seen, uh, at his age. So where are you on Dacian Nix? A little background on Dacian, native of Alaska. So shout out Mario Chalmers and Trajan Langdon as well. He was committed to UCLA before going the G League route late. Just a big physical herky jerky type of guard. He's six foot five. He grew six inches the last four years. So kind of like late blooming into this size. And one of those guys who grew up a guard and then, oh crap, I'm six foot five now. I can still do the same things. Very strong offensive instincts. I mean, he is kind of a, a wizard like guy off the basketball live dribble passer, which is becoming increasingly valuable. He will throw some extra flair on stuff when he can dial it down. Plays through contact, knows how to adjust to rotating defenders. He, he really likes and thrives in like a freewheeling open system where he can maximize his creativity. And part of that's because he played on a prep school team out in Vegas. He played on independent grassroots team. So a lot of people, frankly, didn't see him. And he would, he came out to Curry camp and it was just a little different because he's such, he was such a ball dominant guy that to play like a secondary role during that camp, like most camp settings, it's just a little different. You didn't get like the full, Dejan Nick's experience, but you saw how good he was as a as a passer and a facilitator. Where would you think that you would have him right now? Because he he's kind of a tough one because of all of the reasons that you said. A guy that did not play at the high level, like on the high level AAU circuits all the time, did not uh, you know really get seen as much as a lot of these other elite level prospects like a Cade Cunningham, like a Jalen green, uh, like a, even a Keon Johnson. My guess for now would be middle of the first round with, with just the disclaimer that we have to see how he, he looks now playing with other guys consistently. And who knows what the level of competition, what their schedule is going to look like, but at least we'll get a little bit of a better read when he's playing with, Jalen Green and, and Isaiah Todd and Kaminga and those guys. Oh yeah, we, like I really, I really like them, but I'm just not, I'm not all the way like, yeah, lock top ten pick right now. Oh yeah, we have to talk about Isaiah Todd, don't we? Where, where are you on Isaiah Todd? Hmm. 
So I saw first saw Isaiah Todd. I believe he was a sophomore in high school, and he came and played in an event in California. And the way he played as like this long, slender four or five, I thought it was like the second coming of Chris Bosh. I was like, this, yeah. this is incredible. Number one player in the class. Don't know what we're talking about. Then in the middle there, I didn't really see him throughout the moves in different high schools and, and on the grassroots circuit other than on film. And I know he dipped a little bit. I know people are all over the place on him. I think he had a little bit of a bounce back the last year. So another guy that I think the the verdict is out on him, like don't love at this point. Yeah. So I've seen him live a couple of times. And when I've seen him live, he seemed like he had no idea how to make a winning basketball play. It was all about himself and all about how he can look good versus how to put other people in positions to look good. And he wasn't good enough to be successful at that yet. Um, right. Maybe he gets there because he's like six foot nine and has some athleticism and ability to create shots. But like, I, uh, I, I get the talent, but very much not my kind of player, I guess. I wasn't at the, the last USA basketball, but the people who were raved about him. Did they? Yeah. Just said it was a completely different person, different player. Uh, so I think that's that's also some of like the the later boost on on his stock. Awesome, that makes me feel better about where Isaiah Todd is going forward. Uh, and then you've seen Kai Sato, I assume, right? Yeah, he played in Adam Finkelstein's National Prep Showcase last year. I remember sitting with um, with Evan Daniels and shout out Evan Daniels, and uh, not knowing the kind of buzz in the gym was like he was going pro and like not to not to even bother recruiting him but i was very impressed with he had like a lot of moves he had a like junk in his bag where he hit the he'd be at the high post he'd face up he'd pump fake he'd step through up and under dunk he, he kind of labored a little bit getting up and down the court and wasn't like the quickest reactive athlete on for, either for end. people who don't know kai sato is like a seven foot one we want to call him something like that uh very very skinny uh kid out of the philippines who is kind of a perimeter stretch big, let's call him. Yeah, and has a huge following over there and the expectation level. He'll be an NBA player. Uh, he's got a little bit of ways to go. For me, is he a, a draft and stash guy late maybe? But I don't I don't see him as a, a first-round guy in, in such a loaded draft. Yeah, has real upside long-term, depending on how the body you know, continues to develop and how much stronger he can get. I'm a little bit worried right now about all he can, of He can shoot it, though. He can do yeah. that. So uh, as a stretch big, he can absolutely do that. I'm worried more so defensively when someone pulls him to the post, what he's able to do with his frame and, and his lower half. Yeah, and I didn't really like his mobility defensively either. Right. Um, but it would be a very fun story that – if Kai Sato can really like figure it out and come together, I, I would, uh, and if his frame continues to get stronger to match up with the talent, uh, I, I would, I'd be intrigued by that. I would like that a lot. Let's, uh, let's go to Kentucky guys next because there are three of them that are getting pretty big buzz. Uh, BJ Boston, 
I've been a big fan for a while. Uh, just a very high level scoring wing, six foot seven, something like a six eleven wingspan. Uh, very creative off the bounce, loves the inside out dribble into crossover for a jumper, loves, uh, just trying to get into the paint to make plays as a passer, but he's definitely more of a scorer right now, uh, at that size. The jump shot has been hit or miss over the course mm-hmm. of his career, but over the last year seems to be really coming together. You also get really high-level reports of his work ethic as well, uh, to the point where I do bet on him being a shooter at some point at 6'7 with real creativity uh, off the bounce. What do you think about BJ Boston? And a latest bloomer. He was 5'10 as an eighth grader. Now he's pushing 6'7 plus. He does draw some... Brandon Ingram comparisons, which I'm a little pumped the brakes just because Brandon Ingram just signed a max extension. So I'm not necessarily saying he's there yet. Well, and Brandon is like six foot 10 almost with a seven foot four and a half wingspan. Right. Right. I think it's a little bit of lazy comp, but you'll see that flying around a little bit. Yeah. And by the way, like you're not the only person that I've heard say that, uh, that, that is a like ubiquitous, not ubiquitous, but it's a comparison that I've heard a lot. Across and, the you'll prob- and you'll probably continue to hear because he has long arms. He has a wiry build. He knows how to create for himself to get a shot. Yep. He uses length well around the basket to finish. He'll post smaller players. He is a pretty solid shooter. Uh, it was better with his feet set than on the move. And he, he does a really good job of mixing up between drives and pull-ups. He knows how to create space and get his defender shifted a little bit. Underrated passer, too. When I saw him hoop Paul, I was just looking through yep. old stats. I think he had 17 points and 10 assists the last game I watched. So when he has other guys around him, he's willing to spray the ball around to shooters. Yeah, no, I really like uh, BJ Boston quite a bit. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to average close to 20 a night at Kentucky this year. I know that they have Terrence Clark. I know that they have uh, Olivier Saar. Like, I know that they are really, really loaded – with talent, but he is just a different kind of dude, I think. Like, he's a real, real scorer uh, that is polished enough to enter college basketball immediately and really get buckets. It's a good line. I think I'm a little bit under, but it's a good line. Yeah, maybe the maybe the line would be like 19.25 <laughs> or something. You're hedging. This is the hedge, yeah. Yeah. This 20, is what no, I mean. 19.25. You're, you're doing the Vegas move. Like, people said something, you're moving it already. That's right. That's what I'm doing. Um Terrence Clark next. Terrence Clark's up in your neck of the woods. Uh, so I'll Boston give you the native, floor. Dorchester, Mass. Yeah, played at Brewster Academy. He reclassified latest too. He was planning on being the class of 2021. A little bit older. I think he turns 20 in September. Or yeah, that could, that could be right. There was rumblings he could do the G League route or, or go professionally before finally deciding on Kentucky. Committed to Kentucky. Then it was like kind of a little bit back and forth, but smooth combo two guard. Really scoring threat from all three levels. He can make jumpers on the move. He uses both hands well. Knows how to use hesitations and crossovers to create space. A little bit thin, but can still power through contact around the rim. Sometimes he'll leak out a little bit, get excited to get on the break. Uh, but he, he, in defensively, he'll, he'll lock and trail on defense. If he puts on a little bit more size, he'll be able to guard bigger twos better. And he has trained with fellow Brewster Love. Donovan Mitchell. I was going to make fun of because I say Donovan Mitchell. I say popcorn, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. So I, I think he gets it. I think he gets the, the work part of it. He's going to put up big numbers at Kentucky too. If he can really dial into making that three, 
consistent, he's going to be a, a very high level scorer too. Yeah. His talent level is ridiculous. Like the quickness, the explosion in and out of moves, like the second jump, the way he gets off the floor as quickly as he does. Uh, he has some very, very real tools that you can't really teach. And he's also uh, an awesome passer. And I don't know what to expect this year because no, I, I don't either because he does have some he he he'll have all these like oh wow moments every game like guy yeah. goes under the screen and he's way past the three but he'll knock it down the next time it's a, a step back fadeaway knocks it down and I, then the I'm, next time it's a step back fadeaway that he misses by <laughs> seventeen feet yeah it happens highs and lows but Kentucky is actually a good spot for yeah. him to me because he was he's one of these kids who's ranked very highly as he was younger and justifiably so, I mean, ended up whatever top 10 consensus in his class, but you could always tell he kind of like played with that burden of being a top 10 kid. Like it was always in his head. I feel like at Kentucky with more high level guys around him and, and he played with high level guys, at Brewster Academy, don't get me wrong, but he always kind of played like he was carrying like, all right, I got to show him like number one right now. Yeah, that is definitely the impression that I got. I worry about him making winning plays consistently. I would love it. I would love to see him move into like a secondary role this year as like a secondary initiator, high level passer playmaker who dishes out like four assists a game and averages like, like if his perfect year to me would be averaging like 14 and a half points, four and a half assists, six rebounds and upping the efficiency a little bit and getting like a steal and a half a game like that. It's like the, the classic Kentucky two guard line, right? Yeah. Like, we're, we're Tyler Hero's numbers. I know Jamal Murray is like 20 points per game, but like Devin Booker is on the platoon system. I feel like all those Kentucky ish guards are, are right around those numbers. Yeah. Like I, I want, I want to see, cause I think he can score regardless. Like I'm not really worried about him scoring. I want to see him choose to do the other shit. You know what I mean? Like, choose to make plays for others, choose to make the winning plays consistently because, yeah, the, the way that that dude like explodes in and out of moves, the way that he can break down defenses, uh, the way he sees the court, like he is a genuine top five talent, I think. Like no no doubt in my mind that he's a top five talent, right? Close on that. Definitely a top five talent. I like his size as the two guard. If he puts all his pieces together, he'll be right there as a top 10 guy. Um, the last guy here is Isaiah Jackson. Like I said, I haven't seen him live. Uh, I've watched a lot of tape, like your typical six foot 10, seven, three and a half wingspan, uh, shot blocker, super mobile, uh, big man, uh, has been my impression. And you talk to people around Kentucky, you talk to people that have seen him, uh, in preseason and they're just like, this dude is a monster. Like he is a real potential uh, lottery pick if things really went right. I've heard and read the same. Like you, I hadn't seen him despite uh, – he was on that LaMelo Ball team at Spire, if I'm not mistaken, with Jermaine Jackson as a coach. So maybe I, I have that. seen him then and just like yeah. was so well, locked well, in on LaMelo. Was, yeah, he, so he was an electric athlete, like you said, shot blocker, dunker. I thought he was actually way more limited than he's kind of developed into, so I've been surprised that – People have had such rave reviews, and I guess he just did more than what, frankly, I saw on film a year ago. Yeah, like watching those LaMelo Spire games, 
I would not have necessarily guessed that, like... Well, you had him, you had Rocket Watts, who was a, it was a show. Yeah, it was... Isaiah Jackson was a, a distant third option. Let's go with it was a show. <laughs> That's fine. We're a show. Yeah. Um, interesting. Now I'm, like, really thinking back to those games, like, while we talk, and, like, trying... Are you doing the beautiful mind thing, like, thinking it all out? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Um, he was there. Okay, Intr- I'm I'm intrigued because like like we said, the reports are outstanding out of Kentucky. Um, I'm trying to think: is there anyone else we need to talk about? Let's just like knock out all of the Kentucky guys here at once. I don't know that. I, I, like I said, I'm going to do a second podcast this week, uh, breaking down the returnees. So I don't know that I need to talk about like Keon Brooks and Olivier Saar necessarily. Uh, they do have Devin Askew. I've always been under the impression of Devin Askew being a two and done guy. Yeah, multiple year. Yeah. Um, Cameron Fletcher is definitely a two and done, or maybe even like three and done. Uh, Lance Ware is like a good potential like three and done guy. Uh, yeah, I, I really like him, though. I mean, I saw him. I don't know if this is the transition we want, but I saw him play Evan Mobley at Hoopal last year, and he just like ate him up. Like he just – you could tell he thrives under the, the big moment. He's very tough, went right at him. Like, he's going to be a really good college player. I don't think people are talking about him enough. I haven't talked to anyone in Kentucky, so I don't know if it's translating or if I'm way off the, the reservation here. But just seeing him there, I was I was sold. Interesting. Not necessarily as an NBA guy, but a really good college guy. Because, yeah, like stretch four kind of guy, right? Yeah, I can't really shoot it, but he got every rebound. He tried to dunk everything. It was tough. Dive on the floor for loose balls. Just somebody you want on your team. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to Evan Mobley. Because... Early in his high school career, he was seen as like a no doubter kind of guy, right? Like he is going to be in contention for the number one overall pick. I still think there's a world where he gets into contention for the number two overall pick, let's say behind Cade Cunningham. His development over the last year and a half, though, it's just been a little bit slower than what we thought. Like, it's not like he's not continuing to grow and mature and get better. He just hasn't quite had that like exponential leap that, you know, many of us thought whenever we first saw him, uh, when he was like, I think I saw him when he was like 15 years old and I was like, holy shit, this guy's going to be a stud. Oh yeah. 6'11", long, bouncy, agile. Yeah, no, he had all of those skills and you could see that the jump shot was burgeoning and developing. Um, he can put the ball on the floor with both hands, which is very rare for a big, um, can really face up and drive and then like just palm the ball and finish with that same hand on like left-handed dunks at the baseline like very very gifted talented kid but still very raw and developing in terms of his game where are you at on evan mobley right now he's an elite flashes guy like he'll show that face up stuff and he'll spin back and he'll dunk and then he'll come down and run the court like a deer and block a shot and you're like oh man like he's a very good strong second jumper too for tip-ins or blocks like you said comfortable using both hands he's a he's like a left-hand shot blocker similar to andre drummond despite not being a lefty he's a high percentage finisher it just yeah it, it hasn't been like a it, it's far from a finished product project i mean you need some weight I'm waiting on like the USC weight room picture of him now being like 225 and yeah. being like, ah, idiots. But he's, he's just not, it's not there yet. I mean, he does some things at times. Again, I'm not trying to, to say it's what he is, but 
Garnett-ish with like the dribble handoff and pick and pop. Like you see how he can do some perimeter based things and, and be effective. And then also, you know, he's a, a good kid, a good student, had like a 4.0 in high school, yep. has the right mentality. He's playing at USC, whereas his brother Isaiah was McDonald's All American. His dad's an assistant coach. So I feel like it's probably the best setting for him to develop and mature. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Kate as number one, but he's going to put up numbers in the Pac-12, so he'll be right there in contention for top five-ish. Yeah. I just hope there's not really a world where it goes like super poorly because of how raw he is at USC. You know what I mean? I don't think no, it will. I don't, I don't either, and I don't know if they had workouts by by the point of like Andy Enfield. I'm just saying it was an interview he had with Rothstein, but he, he said he expects him to be like one of those elite-level freshmen like a Durant numbers-wise. And Durant was as good as I've ever seen or remember as a freshman. So uh, there's lofty expectations that come with being as as good as as he is as a a top-three kid throughout high school and just passes the eye test right away. Just have to continue to push toward production end of it too. Maybe that's it. Maybe like – we expected too much too fast from a kid that's seven foot tall. And we always do, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, these people. It's like, yeah, well, like, that's us. Like, we did this. Yeah, like, he still has all of the same tools and still flashes all of the same tools that we see at every single level. Like, he has three plays per game where just like, oh, only he could do that in all of college basketball. Or all in, honestly, in all of college basketball, but also in high school basketball when we were seeing it. And if he tightens the handle just like a little bit more too, like the stuff that he can do off one, two dribbles and, and get the rim and dunk or stop on a dime and hit a fadeaway, he has that ability too. Yeah, he's a very, very special big prospect. So let's let's talk about the Duke guys because I think I got more pushback on where I had Jalen Johnson than anyone uh, in my entire mock draft. And again... I would emphasize take this as a watch list more than like a tried and true super, super locked in ranking because we just don't have that like information at the highest level yet. Right. When I watch Jalen Johnson, I really don't love the jumper at all. Mm -hmm. He's very gifted. He's six foot eight, loves to get out in transition, can really, really pass the ball for a kid that's six foot eight, like he's a genuine point forward. Uh, that is his best skill by far has really good body control, stays on balance throughout everything that he does. Doesn't really get sped up, but I really worry about the lack of explosiveness combined with him not really being a shooter and me also really not liking the jump shot mechanics because it's just, Purely like a straight line drive jumper. That, yeah, a little bit of push. Yeah. Uh, it has like a hitch at the top and is kind of messy. I like him as a, a playmaker, as kind of like a, a point forward in the half court, too. Like in him having the ball in his hands, he's better when it gets fast and he's, he's on the fast break and he makes the right reads a lot three on one with assists or ball fakes and calling his own number. He is pretty strong for his size. He adjusts through contact, he finishes pretty well. He plays mostly under control too. I like his combination of size and skill. It's six eight, two fifteen. The jumper isn't quite there all the way, and he didn't play a, a full high school season. He transferred back home like middle to late end of the year. Another guy that I, I really want to see how he fits in to the Duke system because he, he played on such a loaded 
grassroots team too. I don't think it'll be much of an adjustment, and I just foresee him having a really big role for Duke this year. Yeah, I guess so. Like I had DJ Stewart ahead of him, and I think I probably overreacted. Yeah, I don't know if I'd have that. Yeah, yeah. On DJ, well, what number? What, where did you have the two of them? Eighteen and nineteen. Yeah, I'd probably have Jalen a little higher. Yeah, like I probably should have Jalen at like. Honestly, like I can't get him ahead of like Scotty Barnes for me though. Where's Scotty? I meant nine. Okay, yeah, no, I think that's fair. Again, watch list. This is before we've seen anything. We're just going yeah. straight off of yeah, like it's, basketball and high school basketball. Yeah, like honestly, like I kind of like Caleb Love more than Jalen Johnson. Like if we're just going to be real about it. Um, so I would say maybe I should have Jalen like 13, 14 versus 19. But I don't – there are things there that really worry me. Put it that way on Jalen Johnson. Yeah, justifiable, but he's he's going to end up at a little bit higher than that would be my guess. Yeah, that would probably be my guess as well. Um, DJ Stewart, just super high-level, tough scoring guard. Uh, yes, con- consistent. Nor you're getting every single game. He was ranked outside of the top 100 like a year before and then just skyrocketed up to 27, 25, whatever, in, in most publications. He plays with a pace, has a great solid basketball IQ, but he he's a I hate saying this is such a cop out, but he is like a winner. Like I'll dive on the floor for loose balls. He makes winning plays. He played very well on on his high school team. People were really high on him after USA Basketball too. Well, like the guy that he reminds me of is Colin Sexton. Like hmm. in what way? Go on. Just in terms of the hyper level of competitiveness, the very skinny okay, that, game. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Like. Colin was probably more attack oriented going toward the basket, whereas DJ is more of like a fearless, like pull up shooter, like with the polished, like step back game. Whereas mm-hmm. Colin was just like attack, attack, attack. But DJ even doesn't probably have that same level of like quickness that Colin had. Yeah, it's not quite like I don't, I don't necessarily see DJ Stewart as a 20 point per game NBA scorer or having the impact that Colin Sexton did at his one year in college, but I, I get the parallels. Right. Just like a kid that plays incredibly hard despite being incredibly skinny and is just fearless and hyper, hyper competitive. Uh, I probably have DJ a touch too high because these are guys that I tend to really like and I tend to get excited about. And then like they don't totally work out in the way that I want them to because of like efficiency concerns. Yeah, I always get that crap too. Like, oh, I just a sucker for a late bloomer and a good story. I'm like, you are right. Well, yeah, like the key is knowing where your weaknesses are. Like my weakness right. is guys that are hyper competitive and give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know that till like somebody told me that it turned into like the the Gordon Bombay Mighty Ducks, like, I was a quarter inch from making it. Like, yeah, dummy, you're a quarter inch from completely missing the post. And he's like, it rocked his world. <laughs> like, as soon as somebody told me that, I'm like, oh, man, you're right. I love that so much. I love that so, so much. Um, okay. Uh, do we want to talk about Jeremy Roach and Henry Coleman at all? You would probably know those guys a little bit more than me. I mean, I... Do you have either of those on your draft board? As, as I don't potential? right now, for what it's worth. I mean, I, we probably have a, a few more to dive into if we just want to brush over. Yeah, my impression was both of those guys are multi-year players. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, 
We haven't got into the Zaire Williams segment of the program yet. We have not gotten into the Zaire Williams segment of the program. Uh, I will. Yeah, let's do Zaire next. Uh, well, we can say the ACC if you want. Just want to finish with Scotty. Yeah, I get, let's do that. Let's talk about Scotty Barnes. Uh, just like the everything but the jumper guy. Uh, elite, elite level defender. I think he is, you know, everyone says, oh, this guy can defend one through five, but they really can't defend one through five. Scotty Barnes can actually defend one through five, I think. He which is, is true, which is so rare. But people, you're right. People say it all the time and never am I like, yeah, okay. Like, oh, he's a, he, yeah, he's a, he's a bit, he's six, nine shooting guard. Can do, no, he's not. This, this kid like really can. Yeah. This guy actually defends one through five. Uh, six foot eight, seven, two wingspan, uh, can block shots, gets into passing lanes, high level lateral quickness, high level effort, high level give a fuck, plays with a winning mentality. Um, just one of the better defenders I've evaluated at the high school level. Would you agree with that? I do. I don't. And Florida State's kind of like reprogrammed a lot of people's brains with Patrick Williams going fourth and averaging nine points per game. Vassell, another lottery pick and playing 11 guys. So even under the best circumstances, I don't know if his offensive numbers would be crazy. I mean, he was on that Mount Verde team with, Kate Cunningham was fine playing his role as kind of this ultimate glue guy, intangibles guy. Florida State listed him at six foot nine, which has gotten some, uh, I don't want to say like blowback, but he, he was always like six foot eight. And so I don't know if he really grew an inch and he was considered somewhat of a point forward, but Florida State listed him as a point guard and he was like on that early. <laughs> national point guard list and people were like huh okay maybe he's a point guard i guess he's a very good as with no no real smoke there shade but he's a really good passer no, he, he's a point and, forward he's not a point guard. sure yeah like but he can set screens he knows how to receive them and, and curl off them he's unselfish he knows where his shooters are on the floor when he does drive his biggest sell is is the defensive versatility he, he can guard almost any spot on the floor he's hard to take off the floor his jumper is a little bit of a concern, just consistency-wise. When he releases from three, you just don't know what you're getting. But No idea where that me. ball is going to go. When yeah, it's, it's a moonshot. It's going here, there, everywhere. But definitely, a to me, a, a long-term NBA role player. I don't know if people are necessarily as high on him as, as I am. I don't know if he's a top-five pick, but I, I like him. As, I, I don't know how it doesn't work for him to find a niche in the NBA with what he's able to do defensively. Yeah, like... The role here is going to be playing him at the four or the five short roll into four on three settings where you can take advantage of his passing ability, uh, using him as a baseline cutter. Uh, all, all of those things I think will work well with Scotty Barnes. If he develops the shot, which I have some concerns about, I, to be honest, I will be surprised if Scotty Barnes shoots it at some level, but if that ever comes, he's an all star. I think I will just straight up say that. He is so yeah, good on or, defense, and he is such a good passer that if he is a shooter that can hit 36% from, you know, four or five attempts a game, he's an all-star. He has everything and, else that you're looking and, for. Where do you have him right now? I have him at nine because I don't think the jumper is ever going to come. Fine. Even more to my point, but we're talking about him at nine as a potential all-star. Like That's just framing how good this draft potentially could be. Yeah, this draft has a shot to be really, really, really ridiculously good. Uh, Caleb Love to, 
I, I think this would close out the ACC, right? Mm, sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, so um, Caleb Love, uh, 6-3. I, I think he is a lead guard versus being a combo guard, but he's definitely more of a scoring guard than he is yeah. a, like, you know, distribution point guard. Yeah, he lists himself as a point guard, but I always I always thought more of a combo because he is really a scorer. He tries to go get his. He's a competitor. He plays really, really hard. Says instilled in him at a, at a young age. And he's a, a guy who also came on late, had a really good USAB mini camp, and just believed in his ability. But he like he has a chance to really climb up draft boards, I think, too. Yeah, where would you – like, I have him at 12 right now. I think I'm probably yeah, going to be a good on start. the yeah. higher end for him, right? That's okay. I mean, I'm good with with 12 right now because it's not this like definitely top 10 guy, but it's a it's a good starting point for your stock. Um, I'd buy at 12. Yeah, I think I would too. Just really high level quickness, high level pull up game. Like can go left right off of a ball screen and pull up behind it with ease if you go under. Um, good step back game. Uh, just everything you're looking for from a scoring guard at the lead uh, in terms of polish as a shooter and footwork. Yeah. One of those guys you want on an NBA roster playing next to a bigger guard would be the ideal situation for him. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay. Let's, let's go to Zaire Williams now. Okay. You wanted to talk about Zaire Williams. So I will give you, uh, I'll give you the Zaire Williams floor. I kind of wanted to just start with Stanford basketball. Like, you have Tyrell Terry, who first pick outside of the first round, almost first round pick. You have Zaire Williams, who ended up being kind of a, a top five kid, and they signed Harrison Ingram, a very good player, for next year, too. So they've that staff's done a really good job hitting the recruiting trail and finishing. The Adam Cohen pipeline. <laughs> I don't want to name specific names, but we can shout out Adam Cohen. That's good. I don't want to get him out of me. Okay. But shout Zaire. Out Jesse Pruitt, too. Jesse, oh, Jesse Pruitt. <laughs> so late blooming, small forward. Like a lot of these guys, he was six foot five as a freshman. Now he's like six foot nine. He has a lot of fans among NBA personnel following. He made that U19 FIBA team and really showed out what he could do. He sat out until December of his high school season because he did transfer. So he didn't really get going right away as all of those guys did. But I like his passing ability. He doesn't hesitate to reverse and make the extra pass. He, he's kind of like this combo. Big guard, small forward. He covers a lot of ground. It rips through and gets to his move. His jumper has this high arcing release. It takes a little bit of time to get off, which I think can be sped up some. But defensively, knows how to use his length to block shots on the perimeter and at the rim. He does a lot of things and has a lot of tools that people are excited about because what he was doing at 6'5 was impressive, and now what he's doing at like 6'9 plus is even more so. You think he's that big? I think he's like 6'8, isn't he? Or six seven maybe six, even six, six eight plus. Ah, I think he's bigger than six seven. We have yeah. to look up what he's listed at, but interesting. He's definitely bigger than six five. Yeah, he's definitely much bigger than six foot five. Uh, yeah, I actually kind of think he has a shot to be like a real pull up guy. Uh, I know that you kind of mentioned that he has that like release that takes a little bit of time to load into, but there's nothing broken at the top, and the footwork getting into the pull up game is actually pretty good for the most part. Uh, high flyer who can really get out on the break. I think that's where his passing ability shows up best right now is out on the break versus in the half court. Seems to be a little bit more comfortable getting to the pull-up game in the half court. Um 
Yeah, I, I kind of think it doesn't have to be the guy either. I mean, played at at Sierra Canyon with BJ Boston was fine sharing the spotlight too. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like you, you know, I saw quite a few of those games, and they would you know go back and forth like sharing the lead duties. Like f- for reference, I think Zaire won the LA Times Player of the Year award, and then BJ won the uh, Mr. Basketball award in California. So like. Those two really did share responsibilities at a high level, and both of them were very successful uh, despite playing with one another and a loaded team also at Sierra Canyon, obviously. Yeah, and both of those guys, before they transferred there, when they were on their own teams at Norcross or BJ and Jair, they were, whatever, 25, 30 point per game scorers and were able to settle in with other guys around them and not really have a problem still making an impact on the game. Yeah, and the, the thing that, I, that really impresses me with Zaire is like he has a real willingness to play through contact. Like it's not just, okay, I'm this skinny guy. I'm going to play on the perimeter. I'm going to try and get to my pull up game. Like he tries to get through guys despite being God. He had to be 180 pounds while he was at Sierra. Yeah, I, I, I just looked Stanford list him at six, eight, one eighty five, which like Sierra Canyon is probably whatever. 175, 180, but does have some fearlessness to his game. And in getting to the lane, you hope you can put on whatever 15 pounds of muscle and it transforms him a little bit more too. Yeah, no, I, I really like Zaire Williams a lot. Uh, what a, he's, he's a little bit of an NBA darling too. Like uh, like NBA people like really like him. I, I I do like him. Not saying I don't, but people think pretty highly of him. Yeah, like he's the guy that like was the edge for me of this guy would go number one in the 2020 NBA class. Like I I have him at seven. It's somewhere wow. between five and seven guys that I think would have gone number one in the 2020 class. Let's see, Cade, yes. Jalen Green, yes. BJ Boston, yes. Kaminga, yes. Keon Johnson, I don't know if I'm number one. Mobley, I don't know. It depends if you need a big. Well, here's the question. Would you take Evan Mobley over James Wiseman? If I'm who, just like generally speaking. I mean, they play the same position. Like you have to make an evaluation. I I think Mobley shoots it a little bit more. If I didn't make a quick decision, I'd say Mobley, yeah. I think Mobley's uh, a bit of a quicker twitch athlete as well. Yeah. I think I would take Mobley over him. Zaire seventh. Okay, so that's a good turning point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Terrence Clark, by the way, I think like I have Terrence Clark at eight. You could tell me that by the end of the year that I would be convinced that Terrence Clark would go ahead of Anthony Edwards at number one. He'd have a workout, right? He'd work out for Minnesota. That'd yeah. Be one of his ten. Yeah, I think that's definitely that's a good way to put it. He would have a workout to put himself into that conversation. Um, okay. So let's talk about Keon Johnson because I am, I'm probably out on a limb with Keon Johnson a little bit at number five, right? Not a super limb, but it's, it's higher than I've seen. Everything about Keon Johnson. I, I just love everything about his game. Uh, he is a hyper elite athlete, like explosiveness on top of explosiveness gets to wherever he wants on the court, super quick twitch athleticism, plays really hard, gives a fuck on defense, like mm-hmm. really, really high-level defender. Uh, I think he can shoot. At a, Ooh, that's, that's a hang-up, yeah. I that's know that people split on him. Yeah. yeah, I know that that's where the hang-up is, and that's where some people are like, oh, yeah, he's more of a late lottery guy because he doesn't really shoot it at like the craziest level. Man, I... I don't know. I kind of think he can shoot. I'm just going to say it. Like, you look at the mechanics. If he, if he I think that shoot, they're fine. At fifth, he's fine. 
but I don't, I don't know if he necessarily can. I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying we haven't seen it yet enough. So what worries you about the shooting with him? I, I like there is kind of a two motion shot there, but it's not so egregious that it's not fixable. I don't think. And the ball already goes in at like a reasonable clip when he's taking pull ups. He's just more. It's more of a a catch and go than like even yeah. really like thinking about it. So like that brief hesitation makes me think that like he doesn't even think he's there yet. And if you watch his stuff on like the Adidas circuit when he was playing, it was kind of like a three or a dunk every play. Yeah, like he didn't really have like an in between game that he was really sold on. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It is there is not a crazy in between game there. Like he'll get to that like you know jump stop floater game sometimes where like he has to plant both feet and elevate and then go up to get on balance. Um, whereas like the guys that tend to be like very successful on floaters are the guys who can do it without like having to balance on those two feet. Right. Like think of like Trey young can do it from any angle off of right or left foot. John Morant can do it off of any angle, right or left foot. Uh, Tony Parker used to do it like directly off of spin moves. Right. Um, Keon needs to like stop and balance and then take the floater. You're going to see a lot of, you know, like the fun facts you see about like during basketball games, like, Oh, here, let, let's meet these guys. You'll see a lot this year that his mom was a two time all sec player at Auburn. And then like the, the darker like side story is that he almost lost his hand yeah. when he was 13 during a fireworks accident. So I'm sure we'll get that in-depth sideline reporting multiple times throughout the year. Speaking of the fact that uh, I'm okay, like not talking about Keon anymore. Like I'm very high on Keon. Uh, I think he's just a total freak show athlete that is going to work at the next. And that team's going to be really good. I think that they are. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think they are. I I would consider placing a bet on them to win the title. In fact, Ooh, okay. let's be real. I probably will place a bet on them to win the title. <laughs> you bet on everything. You bet on the top six rookies to win rookie of the year. Yeah, this is nothing. <laughs> um, the fact that we'll get spouted the most on broadcasts this year, especially uh, given, there you're going. given there the you're schedule going. that they are going to play early in the season. Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga. I don't know if you know this, Matt Penny. A dual threat quarterback prospect. He I was. Played football or basketball. Yeah. He was the Mr. Football in Minnesota. As well as the Mr. Basketball in Minnesota. Uh, he was, like you said, a dual threat quarterback. Do you think That'll that be- he plays like a quarterback on the field, Matt Penny? I actually, on the, on the field or the court? On the, the court, f- I'm the sorry. The field's really not even either because you watch his stuff. He just scrambles all over the place and gets 60 yard touchdown runs. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily a quarterback per se. It's more like the Wildcat set, but the stat you're also going to see is that he started on the varsity basketball team since seventh grade and starting quarterback since ninth grade. But athletic combo, he'll play a lot of point there. Natural athlete, very athletic, more scorer than a, than a true point. Very good with change of pace and hesitations and pick and roll. Knows how to turn the corner. His left hand's a little weak. And he's a stronger finisher with his right. As good an athlete as he is, he has to continue to work defensively, sliding his feet, not reaching in for steals. He's the king of Wanted to get a steal and dunk and, and run down the other end, but super athlete in transition, easily windmill, easily go between his legs. He just has to like channel all that and channel all, all those emotions into positives rather than just up and down. But Gonzaga, I mean, I think preseason number one, a lot of places that roster is loaded. They're going to be really good. I think Andrew Nembhard got 
eligible today. Just an embarrassment of of riches for Gonzaga. So, what do we think of Gonzaga with Andrew Nemhard? Because I would imagine that they're starting backcourt. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of, like, guys starting. Like, I would guess that Nemhard probably does not start early in the year, right? Like, they probably go Ayayi, Suggs, Kispert, and then two bigs. Timmy and Watson, probably. Yeah. I mean, they're loaded. That's loaded. That's a loaded roster. I mean, I really liked Anton Watson in high school. I thought he was – he didn't have a great year last year, but he's kind of like one of these breakout candidates that could be really good. Yeah, it's interesting. I really liked Watson coming in, but I did not really like what I saw last year. And I've kind of that's heard what I mean. That yeah. like it hasn't been great early in the season. So again, I, I fall for all the the late blooming got good late good type guys. I think he was at like Gonzaga Prep too, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Was. Yeah, yeah, just a hometown kid figuring it out. Yeah, it was like one of those guys where people thought he was super low on the recruiting uh, rankings because early commitment to Gonzaga and. Didn't really play crazy AAU circuits, so like was kind of hidden basically. Like didn't get the hype because no one there was no recruiting chase, and then uh, yeah, I think he played for like John Stockton's team or something on the grassroots circuit, but like independent type events, not not whatever UAA or UIBL or three SSB. Okay, so we've gone through. I think everyone in my top ten at this stage. The last West Coast one, I'd say maybe, just because I think his numbers could be crazy as Josh Christopher. I don't think the numbers will be crazy because he's stuck playing next to Remy Martin. Fair. But where are you um, Where are you at on Josh Christopher? I mean, he's just a straight bucket getter. Uh, he's going to be on a big contributor on an Arizona State team that's picked to win the Pac-12 Maybe, yeah, I didn't even really think of the Remy thing as much, but good handle for his size. He likes sizing up his man to make a move on. Has to be a little bit more efficient and simplify it some. Uh, you have to live a little bit with like the bad shots he checks as he gets going, but he is kind of a, a showtime type of player. Yeah, and honestly has like a really polished pull-up game too. Just like getting into the spots that he wants. He knows exactly how to get there and exactly how to knock down those shots and is a very efficient mid-range guy. Uh, I would assume that he'll extend that out to three. I have no reason to think he won't be a shooter. Uh, when he wants to defend, he really defends too. Yeah. Yeah. Very strong base, strong legs. Could be a good defender if he wants to be. Um, some of the other like wings forwards here, Moses Moody, uh, kind of just a three and D six, six wing with a near seven foot wingspan. Um, where are you at on Moses Moody? Really like Moses. Uh, he's another guy I think NBA guys are, are just drawn to for his size. He has a interesting story. I mean, it's not really a story, but when he was younger, he was kind of hailed as a shooter and then hit like this cold patch for a while and really dug into his defense at Mount Verde. And then his last year was a shooter again. So if he's able to put those two together, he's, yeah, he's right there in the late lottery mid first round. Uh, Greg Brown at Texas, just like one of the craziest like highlight reels. Yeah, the the quickest of quick twitch. Shot blocker, runs the floor, dunks, can face up a little bit. I mean, his high school, he was able to do whatever he wanted. He he tried to play 
small forward a little bit too much, but he, he plays much bigger than, than six foot eight. He's going to be on plenty of highlights this year. Uh, Musa Cisse at Memphis. Yeah. Musa played on the unarmor circle with new heights for a year or two. People hail him as kind of like the, one of the better shot blockers in the country, still raw developing game, getting better, adding more polish, not a finished product yet though. We didn't mention, we kind of alluded to Jaden Springer at Tennessee. I really like Jaden Springer, uh, really high level defender at six foot four, uh, Pretty polished handle, if I remember correctly, from I think that I haven't seen Jaden since I probably didn't see him at all as a senior. So it was probably as a junior was the last time I saw Jaden. And I remember thinking that for a very young player, and I believe he's still only 18 years old, despite what I have in my mock draft here. Um, very, very uh, polished handle along with defense. Does that line up with you? Yeah, won a national championship at IMG Academy. He played on our circuit, Under Armour circuit for a B-Maze Elite. Was very good there. Battled the injury bug a little bit, so it was up and down, but kind of like this power guard at six foot four, really imposes will on guys, downhill driver. Shot needs to be honed a little bit, a little bit more consistent, but kind of like this gamer type guy. He struggled a little bit at Hoop Hall with Cade Cunningham, like I think everyone struggles a little bit. But he's going to be really good and an early, early contributor at Tennessee. Uh, Cam Thomas at LSU. Scorer, built, wired to score. Yep. Uh, was at Oak Hill Academy and scored a, a ton of points there. I don't know necessarily if he's a one-and-done type guy, but he's going to have opportunities early. Anyone else that stands out to you as like wildly underrated? Like, where is the where is the Zeke Naji coming from this year? Where is oh, the that's a good question. Tyrell Terry coming the, from this year? I don't know if Tom. Well, no one knows, right? It's like no one had Tyrell, no one had Zeke Naji. I don't know necessarily because it is such a younger draft up top that like we covered so many guys that if you looked at like rankings, I'd have to like look somewhere. But I'd like to think we covered at least like the top 25. Oh, I know who we have to talk about. Um, Who'd you miss? McCurr maker. Okay. Howard McCurr. Is he uh look, he's going to be able to do. I don't want to say whatever he wants at Howard, but he's going to play multi positions. He wanted to play on the wing or as a guard. Kenny Blakeney said he'll play some center. He'll play some point guard. You're going to see him put up numbers, and you'll read it on the bottom line. I, I don't know where their schedule's at now. They're supposed to have a pretty good schedule. I don't know if the whole thing was ripped up just with uh, with Corona. But I don't know. He was uh, another guy that was ranked pretty highly younger. He leveled off a little bit as he as he got older. I, this sounds weird. This is not shot at all. Like I, I think Howard's a, a pretty good fit for him, though, too. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, he needs a place that can be kind of built around him. Yeah, yeah, and he's able to do things that he wants to. I mean, when he was at, I think he transferred to like Hillcrest Academy late the last season where he had high school basketball. He's on a team with Michael Foster. And just you could tell like he wasn't himself, and then he came to Curry Camp, and he's really good. So it's like you just kind of hope you get the good McCurr. Uh, he'll probably, I would guess, dance around declaring afterwards but just kind of have to see what his numbers are at at howard and how much more in scouts are because he can shoot a little bit he can do some stuff i just he's not a guard not by any sense no he's a center he's yeah he's not even a four he's a center um yeah, i mean i'm looking now it's like bryce thompson of kansas great kid great shooter yeah that's another chance. guy i wanted to bring up was bryce thompson 
Yeah, just a great work ethic. His dad played for uh, Bill Self at Tulsa, so it wasn't like a a huge guess that he went to Kansas. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily a a one and done guy. Yeah, I really like his scoring ability. Uh, if I remember correctly, he was another guy that I really liked defensively as well. Right? Yeah, he'll buy in into the team concept. He's a great kid. He's going to work hard. I mean one of those like folky type stories that he's always shooting basketball, whether it's rain, sleet, snow, fog, whatever, whatever elements they have out in Oklahoma. Like he's just, uh, he wants to work on his game. He wants to get better. Yeah. I see Walker Kessler as a multi-year guy, but probably an NBA player at some point. Does that stand yep. up for you? Co- co-sign that. Co-sign that. Sharif Cooper may be going pro. I don't know where that's at. Yeah. Should we pro. talk about Sharif? Just a six foot, like, God, he's got to be 150 pounds, 160 pounds, something like that. Yeah, but an absolute spark plug. He played on that McEachern team with Isaac Okoro, and, and I said it before that I missed on Okoro because I was so drawn to him because he was just simply unbelievable with the basketball. I mean, I think they were undefeated. Well, I say undefeated, maybe one loss his junior year. Uh, and this gets wherever he wants, shoots from everywhere, plays downhill, gets to the pick and roll, finishes. Obviously, the size hurts him a little bit but a very fun watch um one guy that i've gotten kind of told to watch for is dawson garcia at marquette too uh is a potential one and done uh six foot ten six foot eleven stretch four slash five type uh I know some people close to him have been saying that he can play the three i don't really see that personally but Real shooter, really can handle the ball at his size, uh, in a really perfect fit, specifically at Marquette. Yeah, pick the right place at Marquette and six ten can shoot it, can stretch a little bit. I don't I don't I haven't seen workouts, obviously. I don't think anyone's seen any stuff at Marquette, but what you're able to do at, at that size, I don't know if you ever transition there. We're we're so just in this mold of like how do you become a three? Why can't you just be like a good four? Yeah. At six foot ten, two fifteen. Yeah, why, why are you why are you not just a four? Like it's okay yeah, to be a four, a four, man. A four with upside. Yeah, uh, Josh Primo. I haven't seen enough of Josh Primo. If you like, he's one of those guys that has gotten hype as a potential guy from outside of the top forty to become a one and done. Have you seen much of Josh Primo? I, admittedly, no. I, I'm not going to make up a fake scouting report on that. I haven't. Yeah, I I just haven't. Seen I have have, have heard good reports, but I, I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, no, it's great. No, yeah, that that's where I'm at. Like, I, I just can't like dive deep into that necessarily. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, the the Latvian kid at uh, Arizona Tubelis, uh, I've heard some really good things about. Um, I've watched him play too. Like he's six foot nine, has some bounce, uh, really really high level defender. Uh, you know, can handle the ball in transition, can make some plays. Again, I don't know that I saw him as a one and done necessarily, but there's been some hype there on him. Another, another guy I like at least watching was Andre Corbello, who's at Illinois. Mm, yeah. Just six foot one, but electric style point guard, multiple game winners, ball on a string, sees the court, live dribble passer. Don't know if one and done, but they'll be a, a good team to, to follow this year. Yeah. Kofi just- Coburn, Cockburn returning. Just because they have Iota Sunmu, who's going to handle the ball, Trent Frazier, like Adam Miller is going to be in the mix there. Adam Miller's going to be really good. That's a good name. Yeah. Like, that one. I really, really like Adam Miller. Uh, yeah. He, he had a, a game out in Vegas, 
again, like all these years blend together, but whatever his last grassroots season, one where he had like eight threes in a game playing a Dinos Trigonus event. So he's at, he's at 34. He's got a chance to maybe might be a little bit difficult at how loaded Illinois is, but he's a guy to watch. Yeah. Illinois, another team that I would consider placing a future title bet on. Um, Marcus Bagley would probably be the last guy worth bringing up here. Uh, I've heard questions as to whether or not he might have a bigger impact there than uh, than Josh Christopher does, if only because mm. of role, because of, uh, you know, Remy Martin taking up a ton of the shots in the backcourt. What do you think of Marcus Bat? Yeah, and different, different than his brother. I mean, more a little bit smaller, a little bit, I'd say, better athlete, a little bit more versatile with Remy Martin, who I somehow blanked on, who's like a first-team All-American. I don't know what his numbers will be, but you'll see some flashes every game of like, well, that's an NBA-level play. Yeah. But guys are, guys are kind of split on him, too. And then he had like a, a late rise as rankings were kind of coming back out. I think that's... I don't know if I have 30, but like, yeah, I, I think I value like Adam Miller, even like an Earl Timberlake, a little bit higher than that. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Earl Timberlake, because, like, that's another guy that I just haven't seen enough of yet. Uh, obviously has, like, all of the physical attributes that you look for, uh, out of an NBA wing, but what am I, what, what should I be looking to see here from Earl Timberlake early? Incredibly strong, uh, rebounds well, finishes well in the lane, dunks through guys, just a matter of where he kind of plays. Like, he wants to be more guardy, but he's probably more, he, like, he can't say this any, anymore to kids, but he's probably more like a small four or five, and he'd be, like, really, really good at that. But uh, there's going to be some sets where he runs some point forwardy type stuff because that's what he wants to do. Uh, the last guy I'll bring up is Xavier Foster as well uh, from, like, way outside. I think he's a multi-year guy at Iowa State, but another guy that picked the right scheme for him because he'll really get up and down. Uh, he has a shot to shoot the ball at some point. Like that, that's going to be a really, really high level fit for him to where down the road, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if we hear him talking, being talked about as a first round pick. Me neither. He played on just like a, you know, I wouldn't say okay, but just not as high level consistent competition yep. so he was able to do whatever he wanted take threes block shots but you saw it in just the i i only saw like a couple minute highlights here and I, I haven't watched full games of his stuff but i liked him more as he slid as he got a little bit older but you're right stylistically schematically there's a place that's got to maximize his skill set yeah that's the big thing is just you know stylistically what are we what are we looking for here pick the right style it's, it's like the, it's like the last draft we had the first draft and man i can tell you how many years like the top like 11 or 12 before there was a blue blood pick so guys are going to different schools i mean i know kids at oklahoma state probably because of his brother a little bit and evan moley's at usc because of his dad but guys aren't always just going to this no-brainer top three uh, whatever franchise type colleges anymore they're being more open-minded also like I just want to talk about the fact that I think this is like the first year in like the state of Pennsylvania history where the Pittsburgh side of the state probably has more talent than the Philadelphia side of the state. So I just want to shout it out. I want to shout out Ethan Morton uh, coming from Butler, <laughs> who I used to play uh, in sports growing up. Uh I'm trying to think who else is there. There are a few other guys. Isaiah Wilson. Um, 
Uh, who's the other one? Uh, Isaiah Warfield. Uh, DJ Gordon's the kid going to Penn State. Is that right? You're rolling right now, yeah. Yeah. Um, there are a couple other ones. Trying to think. Who shout, out, shout out Pittsburgh. Shout out Pittsburgh. You said you're, you you're going to find a way to like weave in Levance Fields every so often. I guess this is how you're doing it. And you know what? Shout out Levance Fields. Yeah, shout out Julius Page. Shout out Jerome Brown and Chevy Troutman. Yeah. Oh, man. Shout out Dante Milligan, my UMass teammate who started Pittsburgh. Love it. That is, yeah. let's just shout out all of the uh, late Howland, early Dixon era Pit Panthers that I grew up with. Shout out. Shout out, Pam, shout out Pamela's pancakes, right? Oh, Pamela's just a delight. Uh, shout out uh, Carl Krauser as well. Just just everyone. Ontario let all of them. Chris Taft, yeah. Chris Taft. Let's yeah. let's just shout them all out. Sam Young is too high level for this shout out, but shout out Sam Young too. Oh boy. This has been Matt Penny here on the Game Theory Podcast. Penny, do you have anyone that you need to shout out? Shout out no. I'm I'm glad college basketball is back. Hope everyone stays safe, stays healthy. Looking forward to Gonzaga, Kansas on Thanksgiving Day and time your dinners appropriately around it. This was a heavy shout out podcast. We shouted yeah. out. Shout out dinner. Yeah. Yeah. We shouted out Jesse Cohen or uh, Jesse Pruitt and Adam Cohen. We shouted out all of the early to mid 2000s Pitt Panthers. Uh, we shouted out Dante Milligan, your former college teammate. My man just got hired with the Brooklyn Nets. Shouted out Will Wade earlier on the show. Yeah. Who else? We we gotta. I'm trying to think. We shout out Pamela's. Another uh, shout out Pamela's. A, a yeah. Pittsburgh that was institution. A, that was the first time I went, I was at the uh, the Pit Jam Fest for the Hoop Group. Actually, tracking Donovan Mitchell, story of my life, to get him to go to Reebok <laughs> camp. We met we met John Rothstein. So I got the the best place for you, Pamela's pancakes. We say firm on the outside, fluffy on the inside, or, or something like that. And he was right; they're fantastic. Yeah, I think pa- we went like back to back days. Pamela's is like straight up just a Pittsburgh icon. Staple, um, yeah, yeah. Like between that, uh, the O Hot Dog Shop, like in Oakland, where you go after you've like been drinking at Hemingway's until two a.m. Not that I would ever know a lot about that. Um, <laughs> We've lost you. You're gone. Yeah, um, hey, you're, you're, in, you're in Pittsburgh now. I am in Pittsburgh. This is a Game Theory podcast. We're in Pittsburgh. Well, I'm sorry. I said, this is the Game Theory Podcast. We're in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, basically. This is real. You, you have like the Zoom background of Pittsburgh while you're filming this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Penny, tell the people where they can find you. I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. Try to do more stuff as college season rolls in. And I'm excited doing 2021 draft and looking forward to doing more as we actually have some games to watch. I'm Sam Vecini. We just ran through a bunch of the guys in the 2021 recruiting class uh, or in the 2021 NBA draft 2020 recruiting class that will be a part of the 2021 NBA draft. Uh, if you want to read that and more detail in writing, go to the athletic and read where I have all of these guys ranked right now as we head into the college basketball season. I will be back later this week with more because there are a bunch of guys that are returning to college basketball that are worth breaking down in painstaking detail. So keep it locked here. Until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.